0: John Larson Jingle oh, no. His That's name we is doing. my name
1: too. That's not what we were doing. No.
0: Whenever he old. goes out, all the people shout, I need expo stuff from <laughs> you.
2: That's, you know, this is good. <laughs> I wanted <it> to end. <laughs> that was very salty. That was a nice season. Right there. No, no, <laughs> it wasn't. <No. laughs>
0: Welcome to this week's episode of Well Season, the podcast. I'm here with my BFF, my soul sister, Stacey Ann Anne-Marie Van Horn, and I am the special sauce in today's episode, your man, Patrick. Stace, why don't you get things kicked off and introduce our guest? We have a very exciting guest.
1: I was not ready for any of that. That was the most (laughs) Patrick. (laughs) So (laughs) I would like to introduce someone that I've known for a super long time. His name is John Larson. John Larson is a sales and marketing manager with Addix International. Hey, John. Hey.
2: Hello. Hello. Thanks, Patrick and Stacey Ann. This is a great pleasure.
1: Oh, my gosh. We're so excited to have you, Patrick. How long has it been? Like two years that you met Patrick? A year? Two years. I think two years. Yeah. Two years. Yeah. Last year was lockdown. Pre-pandemic and then
0: pandemic. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. IMAX. We all survived Las Vegas. Oh, we all survived it. God knows IMAX is a show. So John and I have been working together quite some time. We're talking today trade shows. So that's why we have John here. Everything trade show related, pre-pandemic, during pandemic, and hopefully again post-pandemic. We certainly hope,
2: right? Otherwise, I'll be washing cars. Yes.
1: Listen, you're washing cars. I'm thinking about Target. You know, everybody has a side plan. It's all good. It's the hustle. I'm going to become a farmer. That's actually my plan as I continue to grow more fruits and vegetables.
2: Wow. The least likely thing that I would have thought you would have said there. So that's good.
1: I play in dirt. I play in dirt. This is something new for me. She is a plant mom, so she has that going already. (laughs) I already did my morning loop on my plants this morning. I spoke to them. I got angry at my dog because he tipped over my monstera plot that I, you know, propagated. And this is a whole nother thing. That's that's a paprika. But That's a different, that's a different episode, right? That is a different episode. But Patrick, I mean, why do I keep calling you Patrick? Patrick, go away. You're, I'm looking at your face. John, yes. <laughs> tell us a little bit about yourself. Let the people know who you are.
2: Let the people know who we are. I'm a 20-plus year veteran of the trade show and live event industry. I've had the pleasure of working with lovely people such as our host, Stacey Ann, for, gosh, I think we've crossed over the decade side. So we've, you know, yeah. the thing is, is that I started in the industry when I was 28. Luckily, you started in the industry when you were 14. So that's why you have paid. <laughs> <laughs> 'Cause, Because, you know, trade shows' ears are like dog ears. They tend to get on. So been working in this with large companies on the uh, client side and have had some great experiences. I, have in preparation of this, thought back to some of the funny stories, uh, some of which include uh, Stacey Ann. And, uh, you know, it's been a good run. My favorite thing about it is that look that the client gives you at the end when the show opens or the event starts and they look over at you and they're just like, we did it. And you get to do that high five and start thinking about the next one. So it's always something different. And that's something that I've been a part of for a long time. And it keeps things interesting.
1: For sure. I like that look. And my most favorite look is finding the crew at the end of the show to give them their pizza gift cards or an envelope to get your show out first. (laughs) That's my second favorite look. Like, hey, guys, you hungry? There's some pizza in the booth if you come over with Great.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, bribery is good with pizza, for sure.
1: It sure is. So we wanted to bring um, John on here because, you know, we've been talking about events and meetings and AV and logistics, but there's also trade shows. And trade shows, we have continued to do them in this virtual world. It's a little bit different. And I'm sure as much as we hate standing for 12 hours, everybody has their cushions ready and they're ready to stand again for another 12 hour show. (laughs) But we wanted to kind of talk about what we're doing now and hopefully what we'll be doing again when outside opens up. So I guess we'll start with the now of trade shows and what we're doing. So I know my company, for example, we do a lot of trade shows usually. Anything from the local trade shows, which are just simple tabletops to those huge trade shows where you bring in your entire booth property. And for the local trade shows, we were doing something like, I mean, each rep was doing maybe three or four of them. So we were getting up there in the hundreds. And then the major trade shows, we were really putting our full force behind it, our marketing and everything. We were doing about 20 of those per year. So when the pandemic hit, the immediate fear was how do we reach Our customers. What are we gonna do? We still have products that need to launch. We still have platforms we need to show. We still need to do it. So that's how, you know, everyone immediately shifted over to the virtual trade show world. And I don't know if you had it on your side. I'm gonna assume I'm making assumptions here. Yep. But there was mass confusion in the beginning. What the hell a virtual trade show looked like? You know, it took a while. Now I feel like, you know, a year in. People are starting to get it. But did you get that in the beginning, just this confusion of, we need a trade show, and there was nothing behind it?
2: It was complete chaos. And now that people have either tried it, succeeded at it, or failed at it, it still means something different to every company and to every person. And so the whole idea of a virtual trade show, we kind of laughed at the beginning when people asked us to design them their virtual trade show booth and they're like oh well we need a hanging sign and this and that and the other thing and it's like i liken it back to that quote from the matrix where morpheus asked neo do you think that's air you're breathing i said <laughs> we're, we're not limited by size or space why make a manifestation of something that's physical and something that you don't need to have physical rules for but that thought kind of escaped a lot of people and they're like here's our booth Here's six dots where our products are and and people are going to come and just it's good. We're going to have 20,000 people looking at stuff. And it's like, well, how is that different than your website? Right. And they're right. like, well, it isn't. So we ended up having a few companies that thought a little bit outside the box and really needed to have a virtual presence, either based on their product line or their private event. You know, with the supply chain closing up, we had to have product to show people to place their orders for next year. But even if they did it in their own facility, they wouldn't have, for example, this refrigerator to show them. So we built the refrigerator in 3D and then we put it in a virtual space. People could open and close the door and see the features and benefits. That made sense virtually as opposed to just throwing their three-dimensional trade show out
0: Somewhere. That's really cool. The three dimensional models that you're building. And as you're talking about that, I'm just thinking about if you were to do a trade show, and let's say it's a very simple trade show booth, Mm -hmm. is there a percentage up or down that it costs to go virtual versus in person? And then the same thing for like your really elaborate booth that would be in person. And if you wanted that really elaborate thing where I could open and close the virtual refrigerator. Is there a percentage that you've seen that you could help
2: our listeners with? In our custom industry, everything's, you know, the word that I always use is bespoke. So we're always doing something different for everybody. And there's never a solution that works for the same person. But with those two examples, with a very basic exhibit, The thought at the beginning was it's going to be way cheaper to virtually exhibit. You know, we can have one person on their lunch break whip something together and we'll have a meeting room and a chat and a pre-show and a post-show place and all that. And then when they got down to it, most of the people that I've known for a long time were like, do you realize it takes twice as long to do these virtual exhibits as it does to do a real booth? And I'm like, huh. We didn't see that coming. So in a nutshell, the small ones, to do it the right way, it almost costs the same amount of money on the initial rollout. So if you're doing a 10 by 20 regular booth inline type of thing, all in in our world, for the first time to do all of that and put all that technology into a virtual booth, the costs are almost the same. But what you're seeing, show two or show three, you've got the infrastructure in place virtually. So then it's easier to roll those out for a lot smaller dollar value. However, what we're seeing is that the shows themselves weren't interested in giving any exhibit space up for free. So as the shows started to figure out that they could make money on these, they started charging more and more for the extra technology to be able to have the platform in place. So that kind of made up For the reduction of cost for shows two, three, and four with an existing virtual property.
1: Yeah.
0: And that makes sense with what I've seen because at the very beginning, when I saw the first couple of virtual trade shows associated with events that we were producing, every trade show booth was the same. And then it became, okay, click here. It's a link and it's a PDF page with maybe a few video windows and a few different things here. And then it slowly became, we can have different booths for different people because people are paying different price points. Here's the platinum, whatever booth, and here's the gold section, and here's all your regular people in these one on one buyer appointments
1: or something like that. So there's two things that you kind of triggered with me. One is that people went into it thinking, whatever I did physically, I need to do virtually, right? And we're still seeing that happen in the virtual world where. You're walking in and people feel like they still need to experience people standing in the exhibit hall. Or, you know, so now you walk in and before you walk into the exhibit hall or to the poster session or to the breakout, your first view is just animated people walking around the exhibit hall. They feel like they need to have that. Then you get to the exhibit hall and yeah, that's typical, right? You have to scroll through the booths. And there's just so much about that. I know one of the questions I got from One of my executives was, How come it always opens up to the competitor every single time? And I'm like, They didn't randomize it. I don't know. It's kind of like if you walk in the same door every single time, the booth isn't going to move. Like it's the same thing. I just feel like people really do look at the booth and they think it has to be the same experience. And we don't use the full creativity of the virtual world. Like there's one thing we're attending a trade show, somebody else is putting on, and there's, you know, everybody's booths, but when you, your company is putting it on, do you need a trade show? You don't really need a trade show. You can exhibit everything without having the trade show presence, right? And that's where it comes into what you're saying, maybe doing a 3D model of your product. And you know now you can interact with your product and talk to the product. Patrick's team does beautiful holograms, right? That you can create these holograms um, and showcase your products virtually. And now You know, you might not be able to pick up said product or, you know, whatever it is, but now you're experiencing inside the product. So I think we just need to be a bit more creative in what we're doing. And when it comes to the virtual trade shows, even now I'm seeing so many different platforms. And of course, within the platforms, the organizers of the trade show, they choose where they want to invest the money. Some of them, you can actually have video chat in there. Others, you're not having that video chat. And it's like, listen, the one thing that a trade show is, is face-to-face, and we don't have the face-to-face option. Right. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, you have these booths that, okay, here's your two or three spots for graphics, or here's this massive group um, booth where you have 10 spots for graphics, but they're all like an inch big. And no matter what you do, what can you do besides a logo there?
2: We call those the emoji booths.
1: That's exactly what it is. And then, you know, then of course they have the, I guess, the emojis. I don't know what you call them. The animated people that's behind the booth that's working the booth. And then people are like, I don't want my person to look like this. I'm like, this is not Animal Crossing. You can't customize your avatar. Yeah, it's blocky chicken, right? Or yeah, exactly.
0: whatever. Exactly. I'm
1: like, it is
0: what it is. That lady behind the booth has a Karen hairdo. We need
1: to... I know, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, no. what do we do now? I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. My person's a white woman and I'm going to have to deal <laughs> but, you know, but with these virtual trade shows, I always wonder, and I don't know, I hope I'm not asking you a loaded question, Ooh, here it comes. Do you feel like there is a need to have the virtual trade show platform versus you know maybe creating your virtual booth and putting that in a different space? And I ask because much like people are, you know, zoom fatigued out, we're starting to get to that trade show fatigued out and people are not coming because what's a virtual trade show? You can't fill your bag, you can't do any of that. So how do you look at it? That's a
2: great question and it is loaded and I've got a loaded answer because what we did as suppliers to the exhibit and event industry was when our clients you know, were looking to us for solutions and we had some that were ready to jump and go right away and be at the head of it, guns a and the other ones just all looked like ostriches and stuck their head in the sand and said, nope, we're not going to do that. And so we attended many chose ourselves as attendees to go in and we were trying to figure it out too at the same time you'd go in and if you could figure out when the exhibit hours were you know and and jump through 16 or 17 hoops and register the right way and click the right link and then go in and then you saw you know 14 18 22 of these emoji booths with logos and you're like okay well some of these are our clients a lot of times the clients didn't even know that they had a booth at the show because it was just part of their deal. So they had, you know, again, it was a logo and a link to their website. My project manager, Sharice, went in and was looking around. And then she was one of the few people in the actual trade show. And this is a huge dental show, biggest one in the country. It took her 45 minutes to register, get in and actually find where the exhibit hall was. She clicked on a couple of booths One of their bots noticed that she was there. And then as she moved from other booth to other booth, the bot was following around, asking her, do you want information? Can we do this? Can we send you some stuff? What are you looking for? And it was literally like, you know, it's like, get away from me, you crazy bot.
0: It was like a a virtual used car lot. <laughs> yes,
2: yep, yep, exactly. And so our clients that went and did that or asked about that, asked their comrades and they were like, no, that wasn't worth the money. It wasn't much money, but it wasn't worth the money. So instantly that whole, you know, being on the generic show platform thing isn't going to work. They're not trying to drive traffic there. You aren't in a good situation to sell anything or talk to anybody. And it literally is a waste of time and money. So what we're seeing is those folks that thought outside the box to do their own, I don't want to call it a virtual booth, but their own experience outside of the show, whether the shows wanted them to or not, you link to it. One of the best seminars I saw was a company that sold MRI machines very expensive machines. One sale equals $700,000, you know? So they thought about this. How would we best manipulate this situation to work for us? And they had a live demo studio set up at their offices so that they could demo the machine. They did a three time zone staff of three to chat with people as they came on the website. In the languages of the time zone, you know, they had Asian, you know, God forbid, they had Asian people, (laughs) You know, that could answer Asian questions, you know, just logical great, stuff. Great. And they did it in a way that they controlled their space. They linked out of their emoji booth to their booth. They had the show's blessing because the show was like, hey, any attendance we can get is great. And they succeeded. They sold a few machines. They had some new inquiries. They doubled their traffic from the normal show and they had a ton more eyeballs than they were expecting. And that was a huge success. But they had to think about it differently.
1: That's what we're getting. So one thing I'm seeing is that the virtual trade shows, they are getting significantly less attendance. And then on top of that, as an exhibitor, because these virtual trade shows are open technically 24-7, even if you see a number of 1,000 people, that doesn't mean the 1,000 people are coming through during trade show hours, because technically... You know, you're still getting people who are in offices and especially now, right? Before when, you know, everything was open and people can step away from their office and go to these trade shows, where now you're talking about businesses that are just getting back into the swing of things, maybe even some that are just being allowed to reopen. They cannot stop everything. And not to mention people that are in different time
0: zones, because You're used to being all in a trade show in Las Vegas on Vegas time. But now somebody that might be from Asia who would have attended that trade show in Vegas is now watching it on Tokyo time.
1: Right. Exactly. Even with that, trade shows are not cheaper. It's not like they're going virtual. So we're being cheaper. There's this unawareness. There's definitely a word better than that. To the fact that this last year, people were so desperate to get people to come to whatever event they were holding, that they were holding these free events. You might have been able to get your CEUs for free, get that information for free. And then here comes a trade show that's like, it still costs $400 to attend. And I'm like, I'm not going to pay $400 to sit in my room and look at this when I could. And, And a lot of them, too, what they're doing is they're hosting these sessions If you wait a month, you could see the sessions for free via whatever platform. So, like, why am I attending this session? You know, clearly this is close to my heart. So, you know, we're also getting things where the trade shows are limiting what you're able to do. Like you were saying with that one show that they were able to host something, but maybe have a link to say, come here and you can view everything. Some trade shows are saying you can't do anything throughout our hours. You can only do anything after hours. And it's it's just so hard. So I kind of feel a way about it because there are some trade shows that are very very well executed. You've seen some really great virtual trade show booths that are really really well executed. But I feel like they're better executed individually versus with a trade show organization? Like, I feel like the organization does it better because you're able to customize it better versus working with X trade show.
2: Yeah, you're right. And that's the thing. And that's kind of the whole argument for trade shows in the physical world too, is the best companies with the best execution know their brand. And that translates to a physical space. It's the touch points. And how many touch points does it take For you to get comfortable with Nike sneakers, you know, it's that type of thing. There's a brand in place there. Use any big brand that you're favored for. And so it can be done in different ways and in smaller bites. But one of the, like you said, virtual trade shows that no longer had their normal revenue model of creating income, they were allowing less freedom for their brands to actually do what they needed to do. And so then it was a very adversarial thing. You need to be the platinum sponsor or you can't link out. The shows needed the brands to bring eyeballs, but then the shows started to get greedy when they realized that the brands still wanted to do their own thing. That kind of it broke them
1: apart. So let's shift from virtual to in-person.
2: I'm super excited
0: that you did that.
1: Was this stressing you out, just talking about virtual? Seriously.
0: <laughs> John, th- I had a question for you. And literally, she prefaced it by saying this. Uh, so this past week, I don't know what happened. This week, of all weeks, all of a sudden, my inbox, and Stacey, I was telling you this the other day, has just been flooded with in-person RFPs. Yep. Some for the fall, most for first quarter, but we actually just had an event sign for May, fully in person, not a hybrid. But in Houston, I have one for like 2,500 people in person, no hybrid. And that's going to be in August. So are the tides turning? What are you saying?
2: (laughs) We are the dry, barren wasteland of where the ocean used to be is starting to creep back upon us. Yes. Yes. (laughs) It is very Mm city-dependent, and the wave of good news is sometimes crashed upon the broken boat of disappointment. Like we had, (laughs) uh, last week, we had three major shows in Chicago canceled. They're just, you know, housewares, food technology, and the restaurant show that millions and millions of dollars in revenue, both for the city and the hotels, just the entire second quarter of shows that they said were going to happen weren't. I'm not going to dwell on the bad news. That still happens regularly. But I had one client just this week realize that with all the show movements, there are three segments. They have three major shows that are occurring in the same 10-day stretch in September. Wow. And they're like, holy God, what are we going to do? We We got one major property and we got three shows. Who thought that up? So, yes, we are... We're back designing. We're back estimating. We're getting signatures. We actually have a live show at the Disney Swan in the produce industry coming up in April. Oh, cool. That swears they're going to have it. And darn it all, I'm going to be there. <laughs> if they have a show, you're going to see a smiling face with a selfie and a boot, 10 foot, some lit boot. <laughs> it is coming back specifically for. United States-based shows, I don't think we're going to see, obviously, as international travel is zero. We're not going to see big international shows. You know, it'll be interesting to see one of your favorites. If that happens, they swear that they're going to do it. You know, we hope that they do. So yes, definitely, we're seeing some great signs of life. That is great.
0: I have also been thinking about this a lot. And I was talking to some of my friends that are at convention centers around the country. And uh, I think what we're going to see is People are right now, they're playing a game, right? They're playing this game of chicken with space. Okay, how much time can we hold on to it for? When's that last minute cancellation? What can I do? Let's see where we are at that point. I have some clients that are just like what you're saying, your client in April, like we're having it bar none, no matter what, we're good to go, we're going. But then you have others that are, okay, let's see where we are. Maybe we're going to get a little bit better. Let's see what we're doing. But at the same time, from what I'm hearing from all of my friends that are in venues, the spaces are drying up. You're seeing a consolidation of space. So all of these events, like your one client that you talked about, that's now having their events that would maybe be spread out over a year, having them all within a more condensed time period. So we're seeing that, too, with some of our clients. But then on the same point, also that venues are like, oh, no, we're completely booked. Yep. For the fourth quarter.
2: Yep, And not only space constraints in our industry, the latest infograph that we were showing to the government said that our industry, at least the trade show exhibit building industry, was down 91% last year. Mm -hmm. There's going to be an experience that happens is that anywhere between 25% to half of the companies that provide services within the trade show Mm -hmm. industry, if they've got to go another three Mm -hmm. months with nothing, won't be around when it starts back up. That's horrible. So the rigging people and the lighting people and the teamsters and all the folks that make the back end of this work, they've all had to go find other work. So yeah. carpenters that can't carpenter have to go build houses. And if the work isn't regular when they come back, if they're not doing sixty hour weeks, they'd much rather have the regular work. Yeah. So we're gonna have a fairly significant experience loss in our industry when things come back and we'll have to retrain quite extensively to get back to that. So
0: it's a more consolidated and constrained time period. All of these events are going to be happening. But the game, I guess, that that you're alluding to, and it's a good point, is can companies ramp up fast enough? Mm -hmm. And is there enough talent to be able to supply the demand that's about to happen? We've all been feeling it in our industry over here that there's a boom on the horizon. When that boom's going to happen, we don't know. But even at our company, our, our CEO was just talking the other day. As we're seeing this come back, we're trying to secure all sorts of technicians, all sorts of things. And some of them have completely left the industry and gone somewhere else where they're not going to see this happen. Because in our time, we've had a few different experiences at media stage, specifically the Gulf War was one time when, when we had a lull, we had the recession, we had nine eleven, and a few other things, you know, and so some of our freelancers and, and other folks that we work with and, and full-time people that have had to be furloughed, now they're like, well, I don't want to go through the, like those kind of times. This industry has a roller coaster effect. So now it's like, okay, how do we get that talent back and secure that talent?
1: I don't have the answer. I'm just letting you guys know what I'm hearing. On our side of the industry, we have so many people that have just completely left the industry you can't even fault them for that. People still have bills to pay, right? And so when it comes back to doing events, the usual person that I would contact for DMC stuff or restaurant or my hotel, now maybe they're doing real estate. What do we do? You have to adjust so quickly to that. So that's definitely something I think about a lot, even with designing booth properties, right? I mean, Every company has them, right? (laughs) You work for a company, they design booth, but you know who you love to work with because they understand, like John understands my crooked way of speaking about things. (laughs) Like I I want it to feel like pineapple. And he's like, I got it. She she has her own unique vocabulary as Patrick is fully aware of, right? Patrick knows how to, unfortunately, but Patrick's vocab is even, even weirder. So, you know, I don't feel too bad with him. Hmm. Wait, what? 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 Yeah, that's what happens. You look down for one second. (laughs) (laughs) My vocab. (laughs) And literally
2: what I was doing before this podcast was writing a blog article on, is this the time to start planning your fall trade shows? It feels early. We got six months, but it is the time because... If you're planning on having a live event, you want to start planning it. And again, if it cancels, it cancels. But you'd much rather be ahead of the Indiana Jones rolling ball than underneath it at this point.
0: That's very true, John. And I think that's very true of multiple segments of our industry Mm -hmm. with space. The big rush on space is happening right now. If you have a big citywide event, most of these cities are telling me because of rebookings and everything that now you're looking at like 25, 26 to get in. If you're a smaller event, 500 or less, fourth quarter is pretty much dried up. You've got to be looking farther than that. So now's the time for that. Now's the time for your production companies. If you're using a company like our size, time is running out because we're filling up and we can only hold so many at a time. And then beyond that, you know, other vendors, DMCs, other things. Again they're not going to have the talent to be able to ramp up fast enough
1: for the demand so you you better get in early and on top of that too not only from the company's standpoint but also the attendee's standpoint more is expected so we're seeing a lot of people that are saying i didn't spend before so i want to i want to make a splash when i go out there so as a planner you just need to assume that your company is going to be like we are going to fly everyone to space and back because that's what mm-hmm. we want to do we have to make an impression right so you need those longer lead times. And attendees, some of them, it's going to be their first time back out, right? So they don't want what they had before. They expect a little bit more from you. This is the first time you're going to be making contact with them. It's almost like making first impressions again, like not for nothing, but nobody's companies looks the same anymore. You've lost people. You've gained new people. You might have limited staff. So the first time that you're back out there again in front of your attendees, in front of your customers, you're reintroducing yourself. Sure. So I think that's really important that we take that into consideration that we are not planning the same events that we were before. Yep, It is different. The property is going to be different. Your interactions are going to be different. And you have to step it up because that is what is expected internally and externally. And the secret. Virtual's not going away. It surely isn't everything's hybrid now. So you're planning
2: two events for everyone. So if that's the case because if only half of the people are willing to travel or can travel, you're gonna need to have that virtual component and it doesn't have to break the bank and be the most exciting thing in the world but you have to do something and doing something well the first time is always a good plan for being able to roll it out later so, That's another thing in pushing the restart button is, okay, we can't just think about this as doing a physical event. There still has to be that component of a hybrid because we can't ignore those people at home.
1: Like every event that we do now is a hybrid event. You know, I have some people on my team that said, listen, until I get that vaccine, don't expect me to even go to the grocery store. I'm still not even doing that. So I'm not coming to your meeting. Just thinking about it financially too, people increase your budget. I know that everyone is like, we have to decrease. Obviously, sales are down, revenue, all that stuff. But if you're going into this with a hybrid, you better add that money to it.
0: Pull that money from somewhere else. Exactly. It is planning to events. To your point at the beginning, Stacey, when you were saying that for some people that have been planning virtual trade shows as if they're planning an in-person, no, it's a different thing. When you go to hybrid, it's the same. You have to plan two totally different experiences. So you're really planning two events at the same time. What the virtual audience is going to see both from a general session standpoint, breakout standpoint, and a trade show standpoint, and then what the in-person people are going to see. They're going to have two different experiences. And that's not a bad thing, people.
1: No, and you have to make sure to it is two different experiences. So a lot of times people will say, "Okay, I'm just going to stream out whatever the general session is or maybe right. I'll stream out what The breakout sessions are, but what is that experience? What does that look and feel like for the attendee at home that's watching it? Right? It's a multi camera experience, or maybe it's okay. Yes, we have a breakout session that's happening here, but maybe I need to ask that speaker to do that same breakout session only for our hybrid attendees because it's a different experience that they'll have, whether it's the slides that's being shown or the room that's being used or how they're interacting with their co-presenters. That's something really important that we need to plan. The experience is two different experiences and it is very important. We've all been in those meetings or those events where it's very clear that the hybrid experience is just a replica of what the in-person experience is. And you were just the afterthought. And you can see that. I'm still going and attending and you're sitting there and you're waiting for something to happen
2: and there's three or 400 of you in the chat room and it's not being moderated. And it's like, do they know that we're here? Are we? Okay. Do they know? Is the the keynote going on? And then you get a text from somebody on site and they're like, yeah, the keynote's going on. You got the blank screen. Does anybody care about us? We paid money or we're paying with our time. And then it turns into... A crap show quickly, because then it starts to be angry texting or angry typing of the thing, and then it goes all oh, the heck. So you got to remember that at any point, your number one client could be there watching virtually, and their experience, if not even medium, has to be considered.
1: Yeah. People are paying, like I said earlier, <laughs> the cost to these shows are not cheap in the virtual world. And let me tell you, what's the one feedback you will always get? It's never good. It's always bad, right? (laughs) When everything's absolutely excellent, people are like, yo, they did a good job. I don't need to say anything to them because I don't want to inundate them with other emails. Like they did their thing. Great. Let me tell you, if that chicken's dry, you're going to hear about it until the next (laughs) event. So don't, do not put yourself in a situation where all the feedback you have to get is going to be all the negative feedback. I'm just saying ain't nobody got time for that. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. I'm thinking about like my booth property and what it used to look like. And I'm thinking about the fact that, yes, hopefully by the time we get back out there again, we'll be able to take off masks and everybody will be vaccinated and we can see faces. But I've gotten used to my six foot bubble. I don't want you all up on me anymore. <laughs> so like, as we create these booth experiences where the meeting space is right next to this product space, right next to this showcase and everything's right on top of each other. Do you think that people are going to have to start looking at their booth within this like six foot bubble circle again?
2: Yeah. And the only real proof I have, we're waiting for the United States to actually have a real show with a real set of rules. So the only actual new revised rules I have published are from uh, Mobile World Congress in Barcelona, which... Swears that it's going to happen in June this year. They were one of the first ones to have canceled last year. And Mobile World is basically a cellular industry. So, their list of demands for what a booth can or can't do uh, that we've seen has changed considerably. Maximum number of people in a space has to be called out and is constantly monitored. They asked for a certain number of sanitation and sanitizer stations at every public location. The ability to clean surfaces, so there were certain laminates that they called out and didn't call out that could be used on public surfaces. No touchscreens. Let that sink in for a while. <laughs> you know, hang on. Our entire world is touchscreens. Yes. No touchscreens. Uh, no literature. No giveaways, uh, because it's all handed from person to person. Do it afterwards. Send it direct, but do not bring it to the show. And then the the one that really will screw people up from a Physical standpoint was that they were requesting that people have a set traffic pattern in your booth, into and out of the booth, like at Whole Foods. You know, you can go up this aisle, but back that aisle. And you needed to submit a plan to show management to get it approved before they allowed you to build it. If that's the extreme, we need to have this 100,000 person show in Barcelona. These are the extreme rules that we have to go to, to what is going to filter down to what happens for us in September. Probably be some differences there. But if your physical space needs to change and your spacing needs to change, and then also all of your branding hasn't been out in the public eye for a year if your graphics are all different, your products are all different.
1: Oh my gosh. Right? Those are the two biggies. Thinking about what The next level of trade shows can be, can give you a little bit of heartburn as I'm experiencing now. But (laughs) at the same time, the excitement of getting out there and doing a trade show is just, it's bigger than anything. You know, just getting out there again and seeing people is huge. I'm excited. For sure. Yep. It's what we live for. Yeah. Well, I think this is a good spot to end. I want to say thank you so much, John. But before we go, there's always one last question we ask people. And it is, what do you want to leave everyone with? And it could be anything from, oh, remember you when you made me your like grilled Caesar salad? I gotta, I gotta bring that back to just a piece of advice in a trade show world. What do you want to leave people with? The smallest detail, like you said, the dried chicken is
2: always noticed. And it makes it a whole lot more fun to work with our clients and our people and, and getting back out in the world. It's gonna be hectic. It's gonna be stressful. And at least in the case in the case of Stacey Ann and Patrick, I don't know your secret candy, but everything is better with Starburst favorites.
1: Ooh man, the Starburst favorite <laughs> jelly beans, put them in your pocket. You don't even know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> don't you guys worry my favorite is coming out it's easter coming up here pretty soon so we had those little reese's easter eggs gotcha that's your thing love some reese's easter eggs <laughs> oh my
2: gosh. perfect well, I'm, I'm a reese's fan myself so i i can yeah good thing is you can't put those in your pocket because if you do they're all melty and gross so it's like one and done or out of the refrigerator
1: exactly No, that's why jelly beans are the best. You put them in your pocket and then you could also hear somebody coming up. They can't sneak up behind you because they got jelly beans in their pocket. (laughs) (laughs) What? Listen, it's true. (laughs) Thank you so much, John, for taking the time with us. We much appreciate it. There's so much on trade shows and what we're doing that I can't see us not having you back on again, especially as the world opens up because I'm sure people will have questions.
2: Love it. Uh, Love to do it. And this was fun. Anytime Mm -hmm. you want. Cool. Well, thank you. Thanks, John. Thanks, everybody.
0: John, I must say, might be one of my favorite guests that we've had for the simple fact that we had Indiana Jones reference. We also had a Matrix reference. And I'm loving the guitar in the background. You guys <laughs> can't see it, but he's got a no, You can't see it, but
1: has a guitar. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's my secret power. I've only had to use it once in the event industry. I had a client that we had a American Idol night. They looked at me, they're like... You play guitar, right? You're the first act up. Come on, you know, practice with the band. There was video for that. But anyways, that <laughs> did happen. I played Mustang Sally and we didn't win, but we should have because I was the vendor, not the tenant. <laughs> <laughs> but that's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Cool. Thank you. Hey, folks, Salt and Pepper had to jam right after the recording of this episode. So instead of a regular paprika segment, we're bringing you a bonus conversation with fan favorite Mayor Israel on Star Wars and social media platform Clubhouse. Enjoy.
1: So what are you going to do when they have to recast Gina for Star Wars?
0: Yeah. What were your feelings on that?
1: Are
3: you asking me?
0: Yeah. What are your feelings on that? What are you going to do on a Mandalorian (laughs) recast?
3: Well, first of all, the <clears throat> the story itself...
0: Yeah, what were your feelings on it, first of all?
3: My feelings on it? Uh, uh, you know, some people say separate the art from the artist, right? The other thing, too, is <clears throat> Gina Carano, I feel, was there in a specific action role, which she performed impeccably, as opposed to the acting skills, of which is a wet cardboard sack all around. So, you know, I kind of like my celebrities to be a little bit more open-minded <laughs> for some stuff out there in the world. I don't think the show is going to suffer without her.
1: No, it really won't.
3: I think my favorite joke about her getting a deal with Ben Shapiro's company was uh, the movie was going to be called uh, Xenophobic Warrior Princess.
1: Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> there it is. Why you got to ruin Zeta for me. <laughs> <laughs>
3: glad we're recording that one but that one's out on twitter so it's not mine <laughs> but um you know it's you gotta love all the things that you do but it's just like anything else it's you know tolkien fans have to <clears throat> sorry not tolkien
1: potter fans
3: no i mean yeah they got their own thing right now right
1: beyonce fans
3: um
1: <laughs> just
3: every yeah only fans
1: I mean, everybody has a bill to pay. Let me tell you,
3: everybody's got a bill to pay. You know, something in someone's closet, someplace. You know, there's some thoughts out
1: there. Listen, let me tell you right now: if I lose my job today, tomorrow, all every single one of y'all bitches getting links to OnlyFans, and I don't care. <laughs> you better pay my five dollar membership fee.
3: <laughs> <laughs> there's. I saw a report of a guy that got sixteen thousand uh, dollars in revenue thus far by basically broadcasting himself sleep only.
1: Just sleeping. Okay, hold on now. Hold on. This is...
3: Yeah, just streaming him sleeping.
1: Literally (laughs) no need for me not to have an OnlyFans page if I could just stream that. I'm going to stream myself watering my plants.
0: Stacey, you could just cook (gasps) what you're doing already for free. Oh, I'm going to start an OnlyFans page. Yeah, what you're doing on Instagram anyway. I know, right? You can just be doing it to your OnlyFans.
3: There's just so many outlets out there. You know, you got your Patreons, you got your Clubhouse as a thing now to get the word out and stuff. It's crazy.
1: Listen, I thought Clubhouse was some Disney, like some childcare stuff, something, another. I had no <laughs> idea it was another social app. I felt like such an old person when they were like, oh, yeah, I on this social app. I'm like, ah, you mean the kid thing? Okay.
0: So Mir has been trying yes. and trying to get me on... Clubhouse, and I haven't.
1: Yes, Mir, I got your message too, and I had no idea what it was. I was like, "Is this spam?" Like, <laughs> like I thought you got hacked.
3: No, right? I know. That's why I specifically said it's Mir. By the way, like this is for real. <laughs> no, like it's a crazy <laughs> social media outlet, and I think one that really came to its prominence because of quarantine and people being apart, and the fact that, like, remember the last time we were all talking, we were all talking about Zoom fatigue and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I'm like. Every third call doesn't need to be a Zoom call either at this point. Like now I've had conversations with other professionals in what I do because mine is a visual medium. It has helped greatly in booking things because now I have a tool that clients are more acquainted with using where I could very easily show them visual stuff, which is wonderful. And they get it and they get it quick. But at the same time. I have other people just abusing it just because they think everything needs to be a Zoom call now all the time. (laughs) It's like this could just be a phone call, number one, or potentially this could just be an email. (laughs) But Clubhouse came out of that because it's an audio only social media platform. There's no recording of it. It's live and it happens and that's how it is. So imagine like our conversation that we're having right now, except broadcast. That's it. That's all you get. And people can come up and you're having guests speak and so forth. I'm actually doing another one tonight. So can I talk to Beyonce? You know what? That's the funny part. I'm glad that you brought that up because I dove into this feeling like the old man myself, not knowing what Clubhouse was. So Clubhouse started was like elite celebs and people in the know and stuff like that. That's who was invited to it first. They didn't put it out in the public. And only now is it finally getting out there. And you still have to have an invitation by someone who's on there to get there so you could be sitting at home on a tuesday night like i was this week listening to michael chiklis recount stories of the first two fantastic four movies and what it was like to get in costume or 21 savage and his whole crew just like talking about music like every night also there's random rooms all the time too and i'm not kidding about this one there's thought talk not t-h-o-u-g-h-t by the way the other kind there's stacy's face that i was expecting perfect so there's there's all kinds of stuff but like you know the fact that you could just like listen in on like damon and mark cuban and like all the sharks because they have a clubhouse also devoted to that with all the producers of the shark tank it's crazy how accessible the common person on clubhouse can get to this other stuff it's such an interesting medium
1: Also produced by Patrick Brochu and Stacey Ann Banhorn-Doria, sound editing by Rocky Doria, and song by Dr. Delight.
2: That's another thing in pushing the restart button is, okay, we can't just think about this as doing a physical event. There still has to be that component of a hybrid because we can't ignore those people at home. <laughs> Silence. I've silenced <laughs> I
0: couldn't
1: the audience. Find the mute button. I couldn't find- <laughs> it only took me 42 minutes. Good. <laughs> I couldn't find the mute button.
0: <laughs> I was staring at stacy waiting on her to say I knew she was going <laughs> to
2: pipe in. I saw the look of fear in her eyes. That was the, she's like, ooh, yeah. The look of fear
1: was, where's the mute button?
0: <laughs> Guys, we were having a, a Texas standoff. Hey, <laughs> okay, podcast is over. <laughs> I know, right?
1: <laughs> I'm all.